Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Now, whenever I'm in those sort of situations, take a step back, I meditate, I breathe, and I just kind of let it happen. And if you get to that point where you can't let it happen anymore, you have to do something, action is the move, then do it. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Justin Liggett. Justin is joining us from San Antonio, Texas. He's the Director of Investor Relations at DJE Texas Management Group, a vertically integrated multifamily investment firm based in San Antonio. DJE is general partner of over 2,000 units. Justin, can you start us off with a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? My background is a story of just being in the investment industry for about 20 plus, closer to 25 years, actually. But I actually started in the investment management side of the business as a financial advisor, was Series 7, 24, 66, licensed all up to the gills, and was kind of going in the direction of sales and investment sales team management. Whenever there was kind of a real big inflection point in my career that allowed me to really kind of draw off of my technology, but more importantly, my creative background, because 
I have every intention of going to New York someday and becoming a slightly famous artist at some point, but I ended up having a different direction that I went in during college. And that really kind of all came to fruition in 2011 on a very large project that kind of steered my career, still in the investment industry, but more towards marketing, working with creatives, and then really kind of starting to just dig deeper and deeper into the interplay between marketing and investor relations and how those two things work together in order to help raise funds for private market real estate deals, such as multifamily syndications that DJE does. We're actually now closer to 5,000 doors acquired as of earlier this year, whenever we close some of our larger projects, the North portfolio, and namely being one of those, we really focus on large value add multifamily syndication strategies. So working with 506B investors, which allows us to work with non-accredited and accredited investors. And we're generally looking for things that are north of 150 units here in the San Antonio market. We've aired a little bit more towards class B assets over the time since COVID started. But now we're really just looking for good projects that we can not only acquire, but also manage on the back end of the project because we did integrate our property management company at the beginning of COVID. You focus on investor relations, Justin. I'd love to ask you a boatload of questions about vertical integration. Why did you bring property management in-house? I want to make sure I'm asking you about your expertise. When it comes to acquisitions and day-to-day operations, how involved are you in that? The acquisition side of things, not a ton. That is really something that Devin plays really, really close to the vest. And I think a lot of that, it's not really something of a situation where he didn't feel like I would be able to add value to that side of it, but it's really a divide and conquer sort of mentality between the two of us. Sure, sure. He really tells me to aim whenever we got something cited kind of thing. So the acquisition side, not a ton. I'm not doing a ton of underwriting and those sort of things, but I can pick apart a pro forma and those sort of things whenever I'm in the fundraising process with investors. On top of that, though, as far as the operational side of things, I do have exposure to those as it relates to servicing clients, any sort of relationships that we manage with centers of influences, self-directed IRA companies or trust companies, making sure that our distributions and that our K-1s are are being handled appropriately. Those sort of things that are really, really critical to the investor experience are things that I'm directly contributing to. Justin, how long have you been with DJE? Just over two years. It's going on two and a half years now. Gotcha. So you're recording in early July of 2022. So you came in during COVID. Had DJE already decided to bring property management in-house? Not to my knowledge. Okay. So you were there when that decision was made. It sounds like the entire portfolio is in San Antonio and San Antonio is your only market. As of right now, that's correct. Yes. Gotcha. So yeah, I can see where bringing property management in-house makes sense. I'm an owner-operator myself. Portfolio is significantly smaller, but I also self-manage for a plethora of reasons, Justin. Give us a quick idea of why DJE decided to take on the work of bringing property management in-house, and then we can move to some more investor relations related topics. Absolutely. I think that at the highest level that I'd be able to speak to, it was an issue of control. And we were heading into a time where every day that passed, I think everybody kind of felt like we were losing more and more control over either what was real information or information that we could act on. And there was a bit of kismet though, to the entire thing, like Devin and this gentleman, Eli, really kind of coming across each other's paths and meeting each other. They had been in each other's worlds for a while and they had a relationship, but I think that there was just a bit of kismet in the timing of it. 
me joining in February and then Eli starting to build out his team in May, I think it really allowed us to really kind of buckle down and not only exhibit some control over our portfolio and our holdings during a time where people just felt like things were so uncontrollable. And then from there, in hindsight, it seems absolutely crystal clear. How did we not do that sooner? Because the abilities and the resources and the information that we're able to act on now as a result of building out that team. And, and having confidence in our own data and our own people is just immense. And it stands to reason that so much of the solvency and the performance and the success of the project is the management section of it. I'm involved for like the first five minutes of the project. So it stands to reason that it makes absolute sense how just during that time when, when things were really, really tough and we had a little bit of luck, but also a lot of just willful determination to get out there and make a change. And it really worked for us. Justin, hopefully you're involved in the last five minutes of the deal as well when the the distributions (laughs) happen. Uh, But also the reason why y'all didn't bring property management in sooner and why the vast majority of syndicators don't integrate is because it's hard. You're also talking about making the decision to build a team that's basically within the same industry, but it's a different component of real estate investing during one of the most acute labor markets in the history of the United States. It's not easy work, but man, I'm right there with you when it comes to the amount of control that it gives you within the variables. I often advise people to differentiate between their macros and their micros, recognizing that we don't have much control over what happens with inflation. We don't have much control over what happens with redevelopment in San Antonio in general. 5,000 doors is still a small fraction of all apartments in San Antonio, but doing your own property management or bringing property management in-house gives you very powerful control over your micros. You have the ability to figure out how long it takes to turn a unit, how long it takes to lease a unit. You're the one having the conversation about, do you need to tweak your rent rates? Do you need to tweak the way that you're marketing your apartments? An example from my portfolio, Justin, because I self-manage, I was able to recognize that I was trying to lease apartments in a building three quarters of the apartments were just flying off the shelf. They were appropriately listed, professional photography, appropriate list price for rent, but these few just weren't going. And then I realized it was because the sun never shines directly on them and the bedrooms and the living rooms that have no overhead light. And what we needed to do was just get lamps in those rooms and plug (laughs) those lamps into the outlets that have switches so that we could demonstrate that the switch power is an outlet, but also so that we could have the room nice and bright and feeling large when a tenant came in. That's not something that a third-party property manager necessarily thinks of for you. And they definitely don't act on it as quickly as you can when you're the one who's in management. That's a very micro example. But again, that's the point of bringing property management in-house is that it gives you control of those micros. And it gives you the ability to adapt changing circumstances to react to the data that you're able to collect because you're in management and you can react faster. There are a lot of reasons. I'm very pro management. If you can't tell, Justin. Yeah, I love it. I am too, because it helps me kind of sleep at night kind of thing, because it's like our brand is on the table. And to a large extent, I feel like my brand is on the table because I'm kind of extending myself out there, liaising for the company and in raising funds. But at the same time, one of the things I really love the most about your comment was how just something really small or seemingly small can sometimes have a night and day difference on human behavior and experience. So really you want to break it down to Pareto. It could be the 80, 20 rule, whatever you want. But that last sure. 20% is sometimes the difference between winning and losing. Sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's not. <laughs> Probably 80% of the time it's not. Sometimes that last 20% it is worth digging into kind of thing. 
Yeah. Late spring, early summer, I handed over apartment showings to a new employee. And then I also implemented a change in the way that showings happened that gave us more feedback. So my showing assistant, for lack of a better term, was asking for positive and negative feedback at the end of each showing and then writing down what he could. And we have a meeting each week where we go through all of the feedback that we've gotten from those prospective tenants so that on a week by week basis, we can adapt to the changes that we're experiencing from the market. You've got to have a hell of an asset manager to be getting that out of your property manager. If your property manager is third party, you may as well just bring property management in-house. By the time you get the data, it might not be actionable anymore. Yeah, right. Justin, I mentioned earlier, it's early July 2022 that we're recording this. This episode will air sometime in August. I hope this conversation is still timely and prescient when this airs. I want to know the temperature of the room when it comes to your investors and how they're feeling about getting invested, getting capital redeployed in multifamily right now. First, let me ask, you gave a list earlier in this conversation, but who is your target investor for DJE's syndications? I would say our target investor is a high net worth individual private investor. Most of our fundraising and most of our investors have come from that cut. We haven't really gone the institutional route or anything like that in the past. I would say about 25% of each one of our projects is self-directed IRA or trust qualified money. Gotcha. But overall of those 5,000 units acquired right now, we're working with around 600 active investors. And there's a pretty good diversified mix of that between accredited investors and the non-accredited investors. And some of the projects that we've done in the past that were joint venture projects were dictated by that manager to be accredited only 506C offerings. But our core projects by and large are 506B projects. All of that being said, all of our investors, I don't know if it really is much of a difference between the individuals or the LLCs who are like kind of like a a little investor group amongst themselves or, you know, your self-directed RMNI. Everybody is concerned about what's going on with interest rates and all of these sort of things. I think everybody kind of understands that it's, uh, it's becoming a pervasive thing that's making transacting business much more difficult. We're kind of lucky in the sense that we have our fingers in some other types of shorter term, higher yielding products that are nice. They're a nice complement to the multifamily stuff whenever we have both going. But right now, I think that since those sort of projects are less reliant on interest rate swings and financing and things of that nature. We're really kind of looking at trying to bring some more of that to market right now. We're always looking and always looking at multifamily stuff, never stop looking, never stop offering that kind of thing. But we are seeing things that you were talking about, like you were talking about the difference between macros and micros. We're seeing things that from a macro standpoint, something looks great one day, the next day could look completely night and day different. Just because of either it might be debt market stuff, it could be stuff that comes up about the asset, like PR kind of stuff that comes up while we're in the underwriting process or something like that, or while we're starting to look at things. So it's not always explicitly related to just swings in debt stuff, but a lot of times tangentially related to it. We'll get back to the show with a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but 
you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years. And he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So the individual high net worth investors who invested in apartment syndications through the bull years of this market cycle, you know, the 2013 to 2020, 2021 maybe into the very beginning of this year. The people who invested three, five, and seven years ago that invested in syndications that have recently sold. What I'm hearing is that those guys have a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines that's waiting for good deals. And some of them are having trouble finding the deals to deploy their capital in. And they're getting a lot more stringent when it comes to vetting operators because they want to know what appears to be more tumultuous times economically, that they're going to be invested, that they have the right jockey on the horse. Is that the general sentiment that you're getting, that you have investors who have more capital than opportunities still, and that they're still eager to get invested for a decent return? By and large, with the majority of the investors that we have, we've kind of, I think, cleared I think everybody's always having to maintain integrity, accountability, all of those sort of things. Of course. But we've kind of built our reputation with a very large amount of our investor base. And I think that for them, they've checked that box for us. So they're just trying to see if we find a deal that passes our muster. For our newer investors, because we did take on a lot of new blood through the second half of last year and also for this year, I do anticipate, especially for the investors who have done more legwork as far as educating themselves on multifamily investing and things of that nature, I do expect a lot more due diligence, a lot more request for extra kind of documentation, expanded pro forma, stress tests, those sort of things, I think are things that we should just naturally assume are going to be asked for more going into tougher times. I had an investor just the other day that I met and he was up in front of other passive investors presenting how he picks apart due diligence. And I got his laundry list of things that he wanted to see from us in order to just have a conversation. It's in lockstep with the kind of sentiment and experience that you're describing. Justin, let me ask this question in a way that I have yet to ask. Feel free to tell me that I'm out of bounds here. Looking at DJE's current deal flow, 
the stuff that you guys are taking to your investors currently, the stuff that you're currently underwriting, your expectations about how many LOIs you'll write, how many offers you'll get accepted, how many deals you'll bring to investors. Within your investor base, which sounds pretty solid, on a ratio of the total investment opportunity you're bringing to your investors in dollars and the capital your investors are looking to deploy, what would you say? Would you say that there's, for example, five times as much capital looking to be deployed as you have investable opportunity for? Is it really one-to-one? Do you have more opportunity than your investor base has capital for? Where would you say it comes in right now? The only thing that I could give you on that is an anecdotal answer. And that's sure. that I've got a lot of people calling me to try and place money. Um, and this, they're getting something similar to the speaking point that we're giving. We are constantly looking. We're constantly trying to get a deal, but we're not going to get a bad deal. So that's about the most I could probably speak to is I got a lot of people who are, are wanting to do deals, but the macros are making it tough in a lot of situations. Macros are making it tough for you to bring opportunities to them, not making it tough for them to deploy. Yeah, that are commensurate with what they've expected from us. And I feel like the bar that we've established is fairly high and I'm happy about that, but we definitely just want to make sure that we're putting people in the right sort of deals. Yeah, of course. And it sounds like there's more capital than deals right now for you all by a long shot, which makes sense that I think that's what most people are experiencing right now. Justin, something I want to come back to that you were talking about earlier, you said that you're always analyzing and writing on multifamily, but the DJE is getting into other asset classes within commercial real estate investing. What are y'all branching out into right now? In 2021, last year, I would say probably the Q1, Q2, we started testing out a new product that was backed by Texas ranch land, large tracts of Texas ranch land. 1,000, 1,500 acres plus. And basically the, the strategy is just splitting those parcels up using the resources and relationships that we have and DJE being on the retail side of the deal, just splitting those parcels up. And if it's 200, 300 acres, 100 to 300 acres, it just varies from deal to deal. But essentially investors are on the debt side of this transaction and they get 11% total annualized return for a maximum 12 month hold period while we go through the business plan of splitting these up and selling them out. So that was something that we tested out in some smaller ranch kind of stuff early in 2021. And there was a big appetite for it, especially once we kicked all the tires and especially felt good about our rinse and repeat kind of process around it, because it is kind of built out with the impetus of it being somewhat of a no bells, no whistles, kind of pure high yield income product. So we've done that and we did about 7 million in ranch deals last year. And we've done more than that this year. And I expect that we're probably going to do a bit more over goal or more than we anticipated simply because the multifamily stuff, there's kind of feels like there's an element of spinning wheels in some situations. And it's like with the ranch stuff, there's a lot of that red tape and a lot of that underwriting, a lot of that bureaucracy that we don't have to tiptoe through. So I think that there might be an emphasis on doing a little bit more of that while the barriers to entry aren't so high on that side of the business. And then we're also kind of on the back of that, building out that strategy, we're looking at another asset class that might be similar in experience and structure, but would be a different type of asset in the commercial real estate realm. But that's about as much as I can lead into that right now. We're still- Gotcha. Well, let's talk about those big 1,500 acre ranches. Yeah. Correct me where I'm wrong, Justin. It sounds like you're buying larger tracts of land so that they can be subdivided into developable opportunities. 
Correct. And then selling them to developers, letting your investors carry the debt for DJE while you transact on both ends within 12 months. Is that correct? Slightly. DJE could be in the deal longer. Investors sure. are in more than 12 months. They're exited regardless of that sort of situation. It's not always developers. It could just be the next person in line that wanted to buy that track of land. The appetite, not only within our investor base, but also just in Texas and with people wanting to buy ranch land in Texas is a big part of it. Gave us the confidence to really push this product. Gotcha. Justin, if you guys are finding large tracts of ranch land to acquire and subdivide and some of it's getting developed, why aren't you guys developing it yourselves? Not our game. Specifically because you got the, built got the out for it or... Uh, multifamily is our focus. And this is something that came up as a result of just having really strong and close relationships, not only here, but just in commercial real estate in central Texas. And we were able to take that and we could have taken probably this, this investment product and just really kept it for ourselves and done it, ran with it ourselves. But instead we opened it up to our investors because we saw it as a real legitimate and great opportunity. And also just a nice diversified kind of play for the long-term nature of multifamily. That's Probably the same reason why we don't do class A development stuff here in multifamily as well. It's just like we are opportunistic. We're wanting to come in there and find value and get in and get out kind of thing. Cool. Well, Justin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. What is the best ever book you recently read? There's a book that Jeff Tweedy, the lead singer of Wilco wrote that I really enjoyed recently. And it's about teaching everybody how to write a song a day, a song a week kind of thing. And it's really not about songwriting. It's really about how to put a creative practice into your life um, nice. in a professional and personal mentality. I come from a very, very heavy creative background. I was a painter and drawer most of my life until nice. I almost graduated as a designer, but last minute moved over to finance and the rest is history. <laughs> but I am a big, big advocate of creativity, and especially for people who are in analytical or business and, and kind of like numbers related roles. The more sorts of people that you can find that can apply a creative mindset to the problems that you're trying to solve, just, you're always going to be better off having that sort of mindset at you ready. Justin, what's your best ever way to give back? Volunteering. I used to work really extensively with a nonprofit in Dallas called Art Conspiracy. And I'm now, I've got lucky and one of our investors here at DJE got me connected to the San Antonio Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Nice. I'm going to be working with them on helping them to do some larger immersive art experiences, it sounds like. So we'll see how it goes. Nice. <laughs> that, that, should, that should be fun. Large immersive art experiences. <laughs> blind. Hopefully uh, you, on a you enjoy creating challenges, <laughs> challenges, right, Justin? Yeah. yeah, hopefully I'm not on a raise during that time period. <laughs> yeah. Justin, within commercial real estate investing and probably within your work in investor relations, what is the biggest mistake you've made? And what is the best ever lesson that resulted from it? Nine times out of 10, stillness is the move. And you'll know when stillness is no longer the move because you don't have a choice really kind of situation. So I'm a big fan of letting things develop and evolve and percolate, especially whenever it's service related issues or if you're waiting on a really important wire to get in so that you can close kind of thing or whatever it is, not pushing and not going outside of your brand and kind of outside of your skin and being a different type of professional than you are. Those are the kind of things that whenever I did that, I wasn't being confident in myself or the fact that it was all going to happen or whatever. But now whenever I'm in those sort of situations, take a step back, I meditate, I breathe, and I just kind of let it happen. And if you get to that point where you can't let it happen anymore, you have to do something, action is the move, then do it. Nice. 
Justin, what is your best ever advice? It's one of two things. It's what me and my friends say to each other is just make it enough. Just whatever you do, just make it enough, man. Or two, my dad always used to tell me, never let him see you coming. <laughs> I think the context that he gave me that advice was probably not great advice, but like <laughs> I've kind of, I've parlayed it into more of like be a still waters kind of guy, <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm trying to make, take that advice. Yeah, Often the advice our parents and grandparents give us needs to be thoroughly processed before being shared and and, and maybe needs to find new context. Totally. Last question, Justin, where can people get in touch with you? You can get in touch with me at Justin at DJE Texas or call me at 210-510-1275. Excellent. And links to your phone and your email are in the show notes. Justin, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend that you know we can add value to through this conversation with Justin. Thank you and have a best ever day.